0: hello and welcome into week number what is this week number four of the rookie stripes podcast here on racing news now i'm garth allen to my right is the one and only mr tyler guthrie how's it going man it's hanging just another well the last race at auto club it's hanging what what exactly is hanging life work balance i hear that i hear that So we've got some things to talk about in this show. We have our first interview for Rookie Stripes coming up later in the show. We'll be talking to ARCA Daytona winner, Mr. Greg Von Alst. Had a great chat with him earlier in the week. Unfortunately, Tyler could not be there for that because he was off making money at that time. Uh, But I had a great chat with Greg talking about Daytona, talking about the season going forward and getting to know him a little more because we've never had Greg on RNN before, so... I thought it, this would be a good chance to uh, to get to know him a little bit, get to know his racing background, and, and let some of you uh, get to know him a little better. So we've got that a little later in the show for you. But first, we've got the final two races on the two-mile version of the Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California, to talk about tonight. And overall, I would say they were good races. Been a very interesting weekend out in Fontana. Had a blizzard warning in... The L.A. area on Saturday, which ended up postponing the Xfinity race to Sunday night after the cup race. So we got a doubleheader for one final day of racing from the Auto Club Speedway. And, Tyler, I think it delivered.
1: And it was really nice to see the lights come back out at Auto Club. I don't remember the last time we had a night race there.
0: Yes. it. I would say
1: both series delivered. Um, That is a track I understand why they're reconfiguring it to a short track with property values in veg- or not Vegas. Not Vegas. LA. LA. <laughs> California yeah. property values are insane. So, what they sold what the Mike majority
0: say- of that land for over 500 billion dollars. Yeah. How crazy is that? Like, okay. I don't like the idea of changing this track. I love it the way it is. But I would have made that deal, too, for over $500 billion. NASCAR would have been stupid not to take that. So I take back everything I've said. I don't want Auto Club to change, but I understand why it's happening now. (laughs) Maybe we can go build another one now. Maybe. The question, though, is would it be as good as this one? Because you think about it. Michigan is not as good as Auto Club, and it's supposed to be an identical track. But Michigan has never been as good as Auto Club. Why? I have no idea. I don't know what makes Auto Club better than Michigan, but Auto Club has always, year in and year out, put on better racing than Michigan. And I don't know why that is. So we could go build another one, but who's to say that another one wouldn't just be another Michigan instead of another Auto Club, you know? Well, maybe we can get another Auto Club or
1: Michigan and get IndyCar back there because now IndyCar won't go to Michigan either. And why is that? I have no idea. It's something with You're NASCAR supposed to be the IndyCar
0: guru here. You're supposed NASCAR to know these kind of things.
1: Politics. But No, they oh, used to go yeah, to Auto enough. Club, and then I, I think either NASCAR booted them out or they decided it was too fast or didn't have enough fans showing up. IndyCar races at Auto Club were always fun too yeah just something about seeing cars just bounce down the back straight at auto club
0: oh (laughs) i thought that was crazy like there are some gnarly bumps in like the middle groove on the back straightaway like some of those cars i thought were gonna take off as much as they were bouncing it was ridiculous i'm pretty sure that's the original pavement from that track because i'm pretty sure i saw that it hasn't been repaved since 97 and 97 was when that track debuted, wasn't it? Right.
1: Jeff Gordon won the first race in 97. and Yeah. I, somebody brought up this point in a tweet that I read earlier today while watching the race. If they didn't reconfigure it, they would have had to repave it soon anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's almost like we went out at the top of Auto Club Speedway, and I think these cars actually did pretty well at that mm-hmm. track, surprisingly to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The Xfinity race was... The, the racing was awesome. It was kind of a boring race towards the end, but just watching them bombing in there five and six wide every lap is awesome. But to continue that point, if they did repave it and then the racing sucked and then they made the track smaller,
0: I think we'd be having an entirely different conversation. I agree. Um, it would make it a lot easier and have less of a sting if the racing was not good for this transition to happen it sucks because the racing has been so good at that track and it even in the gen 6 era it was one of the few bigger tracks that that could put on a decent show so this is one track that it does hurt uh to go away but i do understand it and i hope that the short track version is just as good we'll see uh the the last uh, designs that I saw floating around made it basically look like a mix of Martinsville and Bristol, like shaped like Martinsville, but like Bristol type banking, which could be interesting. Um, I think that has the potential to be very good. Uh, so we'll have to see. And the fact that they're not rushing it and they've already said it won't be on the 2024 schedule gives me hope that they're going to do it right. And they're not just going to rush it to keep it back on the schedule in 2024. So hopefully this this goes well um, as we go forward.
1: i got to agree with you there. I'd rather it take them two or three years to build the track than to rush it in and for
0: it to suck. But I do still have the theory. We talked about it last week. I still hold the theory that the the grand plan here is as long as it is completed in time... This track is going to be the Clash in 2025, and then it will become the season finale for 2025 going forward. I feel like that was the initial reason why they were doing this, because they want the championship to be decided in L.A. They want it in that market. And I think they want the excitement of a short track rather than the two-mile track to do that on. So... We'll see if that's what happens here, but that is my theory as to what happens. I don't foresee it being the Clash beyond 2025, but I think they will make it the Clash in 2025 to kind of debut it and give some hype to the first time that it will be the championship race in 2025.
1: Well, you got to think if these cars can race well on that as a short track in L.A., how insane that would be for NASCAR as an advertisement point mm-hmm. towards the end of the season, especially if they have it like as an all-star or a clash and then set it up to be a season finale. If you have a good all-star or clash with it, season finale might be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um and I I have a feeling, I don't remember if this was on the the leaked schematics of what the tracks going to look like or not, but I would hope that it gets kind of like a, a Bristol Coliseum kind of feel where it's got stands all the way around the track to kind of maximize the number of people that can be there. Because I think as if it races well, they could sell a lot of tickets for that, and it could be a very, very good uh, moneymaker for NASCAR in that sense.
1: Let's go for the cup rundown. First place... Kyle Busch getting the first win of the year for RCR. And for the most part, that was a fairly dominating performance for Kyle Busch. I think he won with a lead of about three and a half seconds over Chase Elliott in second. The Chevys seemed pretty fast overall today. We had a lot of the Hendrick cars moving through the field after the field was set from the Daytona, well, the points results after Daytona, but it really ended up being who got crashed and who didn't at Daytona. But moving down the rest of the field, Chase Elliott in second, Ross Chastain in third, and Daniel Suarez in fourth, both of those track house cars in the top five. They were up front the whole race. Daniel Suarez had a couple penalties that he ended up flying back through the field from. So in- really nice to see him making some moves. Kevin Harvick... His last season at the last two-mile race at Auto Club in fifth place, the first Ford in the field. Denny Hamlin in sixth with the first Toyota in the field.
0: Brad Keselowski, didn't he get spun out earlier in the race? He did. Good recovery for him to get back into the top ten.
1: Back in the seventh for Brad Keselowski. Alex Bowman always seems to run well at Auto Club in eighth place. Austin Dillon in ninth, putting both RCR cars in the top 10. And Joe Lugano rounding out the top 10
0: in 10th. Yeah, so big win for Kyle Busch. Um, I have to imagine Toyota is not very happy right now after letting him go. And then he goes out and wins in his second race with RCR in what, let's be honest, has been looked at as not as good as JGR uh, in terms of the team the last few years, and he goes out and wins in his second race and had a legit shot to win the Daytona 500 last week too. So he has gone out two straight weeks, in fact, three straight weeks because he ran very well in the Clash as well. Three races in, two very good runs that he could have won, and then comes out and does win in the second points race of the season at Fontana. He is impressing me right now and doing a lot more in that RCR car than what I thought he was going to do at least early on
1: at one point I'd like to bring up about Kyle Bush winning this race was the crowd reaction did you notice how
0: different it was from when he was winning with JGR I did I didn't hear a single boo from the crowd which really surprises me because Kyle generally gets a lot of boos I think he even got a lot of boos last week at the Daytona 500 but didn't hear any boos when he won so I'm Maybe he's turning the corner. Maybe he's coming out of his villain arc.
1: Yeah, and I thought his uh, on-the-track interview after the race, I thought he was different in the interview than he was with JGR. I think a lot of JGR maybe censored some of his interviews or something like that, but he seemed more like a genuine person instead of the Kyle Bush that we've had the past couple of years who even said, I'm just here so I don't get fined in one of his interviews and it just seemed like we were actually talking to Kyle Busch and not just a driver for once.
0: Well, and you brought up an interesting theory to me after the race as well when we were talking after the race and and what was that theory? It just feels like Toyota destroys
1: every person that enters that camp. I mean, you even had Martin Truex Jr., which I really liked him when he was at Furniture Row. And he moves over to Joe Gibbs and seems to have lost most of his personality and just is there in the top ten most of the time. But there's nothing interesting that comes out of it. Denny Hamlin, he's always he's always been at JGR. But same thing. Like He, he doesn't really seem to have a personality. And when he does, it's that he doesn't have a personality.
0: I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, but two points there. Um, when Truex was at Furniture Row, that was also in the Toyota camp, or at least in the later years it was. I, they started out as a Chevy when he first right. got there, but they were Toyota when they were extremely successful. They were basically a satellite JGR car. With Denny, as Denny has gotten older, he has started showing a lot more personality, um, especially if you follow him on Twitter He is uh, very opinionated and sometimes very funny on Twitter. And then now he's got a new podcast that's out where he's giving a lot more opinions and sharing a lot more of his personality, which I've been listening to a lot lately, which has been a very good listen. Um, But I I don't disagree with you, but um, yes, Truex has been a lot more mellow in his JGR years. I will agree with that
1: just frustrating to watch especially a person like kyle bush who i think when he was at hendrick a little bit high headed but still fun to watch and as soon as he got the gibbs it just then you start getting all the boos and people don't like him and then as soon as he moves back into a chevy car everybody's cheering him again and it was, it was just interesting to watch and how he i think interacted that's, with his team
0: i think that's more of a comment on the the typical nascar fan that just doesn't like toyota not necessarily that it matters where Kyle is, it's just that they don't like Toyotas. That's a fair point, too, but it's interesting. Most Toyotas are actually manufactured in the United States, and most Chevys aren't. Building on that, though, uh, I don't know that it's necessarily just Toyota as much as it is being with big teams in general. Because, like, Let's take Hendrick Motorsports, for example. I'm probably going to get some flack for this, but chase elliott never really shows much personality let's be honest chase elliott personality wise might be one of the most boring people in the garage and i'm probably going to get some hate for that but it is what it is alex bowman also does not show a lot of personality but if you look back at alex bowman before he went to hendrick when he was with some of these backmarker teams bk racing tommy baldwin racing teams like that he showed a lot of personality he was funny He would make jokes on the radio. He would make jokes in interviews. And he had a lot more personality before he went to Hendricks. So I think that's just part of being at a big team is they kind of try to temper you and control how much personality you show in certain situations.
1: Yeah, I got to agree with that a little bit. I do think I I like Chase Elliott
0: but he is so boring to listen to in
1: interviews unless he just got wrecked with it. That's the only time he's interesting to listen to. But I do I do see Alex Bowman crack some jokes every once in a while in radioactive every week.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not nearly as much as it used to be though. I remember one specifically where, um, I can't remember exactly how it went, but he was making a Brian Scott joke, something about, um, there was a wreck that already happened and, and he ke- he keys up the radio and he goes yeah it's just like brian scott to just go hey wait for me i want to be part of the wreck too
1: <laughs> i think now there's just a weekly joke of well nobody likes us from the 48 cab so yeah what was with the uh cup field deciding to just have a big wreck on the front straight at auto club they
0: needed something for the hi- highlight reel they needed to have something to look back on for the last race outside of kyle bush winning <laughs> I did think it was interesting, they were talked about it in the broadcast,
1: they extended the restart zone by 25% forward and backwards of it, and Joey Logano pulled kind of an IndyCar willpower and decided to stack up the field. Not entirely his fault, but the field thought he was going to go, and he didn't, so then the field just went in every other direction.
0: <laughs> yeah, which... And that's what happens and i don't know if that's a product of making the restart zone bigger or if that would have happened regardless um but yeah it's not the first time that's happened uh we've had incidents like that with guys playing games on the restart and not going when they act like they're gonna go and stacking up the field so um not the first time it's happened not the last time it it'll happen but definitely won't be the last time no but definitely tore up a lot of cars just the same but i think that's about all i got for the cup series race you ready to move on to the xfinity results i'm ready let's do it
1: all right first place first win of the year for john hunter nemechek he's been pretty close was pretty close to daytona and finally gets the win at auto club my pick, Sam Mayer, second place. I will take a second place for my pick this week after the last couple weeks we've had. Justin Allgaier in third. Fourth, Chandler Smith. I know you've been pretty high on him this season. Fifth, Josh Berry. Sixth, I have. Austin Hill. Yeah, you like Chandler Smith this year. Okay.
0: Sure. <laughs> Not saying I don't like him, but I don't remember saying anything about him this year other than the fact that I said he was going to miss the Daytona 500, and he did. I thought you said you liked him in Xfinity. If I did, I don't remember saying it. I'm not denying it. I'm just saying I don't remember saying it.
1: (laughs) All right, sixth place, Austin Hill, keeping up his good start to the year. Seventh, Riley Herbst, quietly in the top ten again. Austin Dillon in eighth place brett Moffat in ninth and rounding out the top 10 parker kligerman
0: good showing for brett Moffat in ninth with that uh new team am racing which isn't fully a new team new team for the xfinity series but um good showing for them in their second race out but uh congratulations to john hunter Nimachek. um good to see him get into victory lane so quickly Now that he's in a JGR car, I think this is a much different John Hunter Nemechek than we saw his first go-around in the Xfinity Series a few years ago.
1: I did think it was funny to see uh, Sheldon Creed go flying into the inside wall on the back stretch and hit the rear end on the inside wall and then come back and start fighting at the front towards the end of the race again and then fell back to 23rd.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, didn't he fall back to at least 15th or somewhere back in there, so
2: I don't know where yeah, he ended I, up. I
1: must have missed that part, but I remember seeing him go flying to the inside wall, being, oh, we'll never see him again, and then he was <laughs> racing for the lead just a little bit later. The Xfinity cars did seem pretty racy. I, I Overall, I don't think there was a whole lot of like action up front. But throughout the pack, every corner just fanning out four or five wide. It's always fun to see at Auto Club. I wish Michigan still raced that way. but still, I don't remember Michigan
0: ever racing that way. Did it not? It might have before the repave, but I don't think it did. I don't think Michigan's ever raced that way. I might be misremembering, but I don't think it did.
1: Name something more tragic than NASCAR repaving
0: a track or reconfiguring one. I can't. Texas would like a word. Texas is the most tragic reconfiguration. They ruined that track so bad. Tex, if this Auto Club thing works out and the short track works out well, Texas needs to be next on the list to be blown up and turned into a short track. No, and Texas I will, should have been first. It should have, but since it's not going to be, it needs to be next. I will riot in the streets. If Auto Club is successful and nothing is done To make Texas better. I will riot.
1: Just a budget version of Charlotte.
0: It's not even that anymore. It used to be... Well, actually, it used to be better than Charlotte. Um, It actually raced much better than... Charlotte's always just been mediocre. Charlotte has never raced super great, but it's never necessarily been terrible most of the time. It's had some terrible races here and there, but... Overall, it's just kind of been mediocre. Texas has had some really good races in the past, and then they just flat-out ruined turns one and two and made it the worst track on the schedule, by far. Not even close.
1: They just mixed Charlotte with a little bit of New Hampshire and the exit of
0: two. Yeah, and I, I don't know why New Hampshire was where they got the inspiration there because new Hampshire's not a great track either no new hampshire's never really raced well either so new hampshire was a great idea but it didn't really pan out it just does not race well now modifieds race well there but it's not a great track for cup cars or right. xfinity sure. cars or trucks
1: it's almost like they're trying to do too many different things at the cup cars with them doing super speedways and mile and a halfs and two miles and short tracks and road courses. And it's fun to watch throughout the season. But then you get to New Hampshire and it's just
0: uh. I do still find it funny, though. Uh, do you remember what tracks replaced North Wilkesboro in 97? Oh, I remember hearing about this, and I remember being
1: upset about it. I don't remember which tracks they were, though. Texas and New Hampshire.
0: That's why I was upset about it. (laughs) And I find it very poetic and ironic that North Wilkesboro is coming back this year for the All-Star Race, replacing the Texas All-Star. Yes!
1: (laughs) Because when I think of the All-Star Race, the first track that comes to mind is, you know, not like darlington or bristol or literally anywhere else in the world i think of texas
0: okay Uh, okay the the reason they started doing the all-star race at texas is because they took one of texas's points races away and gave it to coda texas and smi and eddie gossage were not happy about this and they wanted a second race so NASCAR appeased them and gave them the all-star race for a couple of years. Get a better track and then you'll maybe earn a second race. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: <laughs> or don't ruin the track that you have and just just leave it alone. Yeah. The worst thing about NASCAR, nothing can ever get left alone. And now we're not going to have Auto Club. And now we have a crappy Texas.
0: But we're getting North Wilkesboro back after like 30 years almost. My my big fear is that North, the North Wilkesboro race is going to be absolutely terrible. I hope not. I don't think it will be, but I have a very big fear that it will be terrible. I almost wish they'd bust the Gen 6 cars out back out for
1: North Wilkesboro because of the struggles of the next gen on short tracks. I don't, I don't want the next gen being bad on short tracks to ruin North Wilkesboro coming back.
0: I think they should just bust the Gen 4s back out. Not that there's that. enough Gen 4s floating around that they could do that. but Or bust some Gen 3s out. Gen 3 was still a thing at the last North Wilkesboro race, wasn't it? I don't think Gen 4 was a thing yet. So but find some Gen 3s or build some Gen 3s. Bust them out for the All-Star race. One race only. That'll draw some people out.
1: Did you notice in one of the commercials in today's race, they had uh, Terry Labonte and Dale Earnhardt racing against each other in what appeared to be uh, late models. No, I don't think I saw they that definitely, one. They definitely were not Gen 3 Cup bodies. No, I didn't see that one. Huh.
0: Interesting. It to... wasn't even close to what the Cup cars looked like. <laughs> I'll have to go look that up. That's uh, Was it a commercial for North Wilkesboro? I don't remember if it was for North Wilkesboro or if it was for Auto Club, but it was... Like a NASCAR-sanctioned commercial. Hmm. Speaking of commercials, we completely missed that for the cup race. Okay. I saw all the complaints after Daytona about how many commercials were in in the Daytona 500, and I really didn't see an issue with it. I've never been one to complain necessarily about commercials because having the broadcasting background I do, I understand that the commercials are how these TV networks pay their bills. So I've never really been to one to complain about it. I don't go out of my way generally to skip commercials or anything like that. Um, but it was very noticeably excessive during this race. I don't we think... We made it to lap 12. Yeah, we made it to lap 12. And I don't think after that we went more than like 10 green, flags, 10 green flag laps without a commercial break. You might as well call this... The, the commercial 400 at Auto Club, and we just have little two-minute race breaks in between the commercials. That's all it was. We, there was literally points where we only went like two or three minutes and then went back to commercial. Like, what are we watching? Are we watching commercials or are we watching a race? Come on now. I get know, it. I do. I understand they need commercials, but they don't need that many commercials, and if they need that many commercials, they need a different financial model to be sustainable.
1: I agree, but it would have been just just a little bit more tolerable if we hadn't have kept having the same
0: awful Nissan commercial. Or the T-Mobile commercial. I've gotten so annoyed with that John Travolta T-Mobile commercial. Hey, neighbor! I <laughs> I want to come through the TV and punch that guy. I'm so tired of that commercial, and it was on every single break. These commercials the literally made me go crazy worse. today. I've literally lost my mind. The commercials made me lose what little bit of sanity I had left. The Geico commercials keep getting worse. Yes. Or the progressive commercials with Flow. Those keep getting worse, too. Progressively worse. Per- yes. <laughs> Progressively worse. I like it. Okay. I think I'm off my soapbox now. We can continue with the Xfinity race. I just had to get that out. You done with the commercial break now, Garth? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I'm done with the break talking about the commercial breaks. Continue with the Xfinity race. What were we even talking about with the Xfinity race? I'm not
1: sure we had a whole lot left about the Xfinity race. Nothing really happened that was too awfully interesting in that race. Not really any crashes to talk about because that's what we like talking about at NASCAR. (laughs) Your pick, Cole Custer, was doing mostly okay until...
0: I think he had the fastest car in that race until he had his flat tire issue. That'll do it. That will do it. And really, I don't think that would have even been that big of an issue had Austin Dillon not run into him, because it was at fairly slow speed, and I think he was just going to graze along the wall and be okay, and then Austin Dillon just like, hey, I want to be a part of this, and just drove into his left rear. And then Austin Dillon was
1: still somewhat competitive for a little bit after that, Mm -hmm. even though he took out,
0: like, the whole right front quarter panel of his car. Yeah. Which, and that's the thing, I don't know that these cars are necessarily as aerodependent as the Gen 6 car was, which is weird to say, and I might be totally wrong on that, but it doesn't feel like uh, these Xfinity cars, or even the the next gen cars, are are quite as aerodependent as they used to be. I think they've done some things with them to make them not be as dependent on aerodynamics which overall i think is a good thing
1: they're not i know the cup cars the next gen aren't as dependent on aerodynamics over the top of the car but as soon as you lose any of the downforce coming from the diffuser you're gone right. so you see a lot of kind of spins and crashes now at the cup cars where it kicks sideways a little bit and then it's just aggressively going towards the wall whereas in the Xfinity races now you can see them kind of wiggle the back end out and catch it and slide through the corners whereas the cup cars you can't do that anymore which I find kind of frustrating. I know I talked to you about this during the race. The cup cars they look much more planted in the corners than they ever did before but at the same time, that makes it almost look boring. It almost looks like they're not doing 180-mile-an-hour in the corners. Mm-hmm. It, it, But as soon as they start to slide, they're just gone. Whereas the Xfinity series, you still get some of the turning right in the left-hand corner to keep it straight. And I think it's much more entertaining to watch, especially in the in-car cameras. You get them flopping the wheel back and forth, and in the cup cars, it's just riding around it, you know. 10 o'clock on the steering wheel the whole way through the corner but it's two different styles of racing now which i like because it seemed like in the gen 6 era a lot of the cup and xfinity races were just identical races with different drivers doing maybe seven or eight miles an hour difference off each other but now there are two different packages that race completely different at every track and Mm -hmm. it's sort of fun to watch and it it makes me want to watch the xfinity race now to in my opinion
0: yeah no i i i agree definitely but i think that's uh that's all we got on the xfinity race so let's now go to our chat with the arca daytona winner mr greg von alst get to know him a little bit talk about his daytona win and what he has planned for the rest of the 2023 season Let's take a look at that. And we're now joined by winner of the Daytona 200 from the Daytona International Speedway for the Arca Menards Series this past Saturday. Mr. Greg Von Alst, how's it going today, man?
2: Really good. Thanks for having me on.
0: <laughs> so has it has it sunk in yet uh, that, that you won? What we were just talking about uh, is really the biggest win of your career thus far.
2: Um, You know, it's... it's uh... It's still surreal. Um, I've, I've dreamed my whole life of being able to win an ARCA race, right? And um, to win an ARCA race at Daytona, um, man, it's it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Um, I, I'm still struggling to put into words what it means, how I feel, uh, but gosh, it feels good.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. So, how'd you celebrate this one? Did you do anything special? Did you go to Disney World?
2: <laughs> no, um, girls were were at home, and we told them this year we weren't gonna go do anything fun before or after the race, so that's why they didn't uh, they didn't come down. So we couldn't uh, break our promise to them. And uh, after the race, um, man, a whirlwind of of media and stuff like that. And and uh, uh, you know, we're in the Arca series, right? So you get kicked out. Like you can't just hang out and, and, you know, cause we wanted to be at the racetrack, right? So we got, we basically mm-hmm. got kicked out. Uh, we ended up going uh, to, a, to a pizza place um, and uh, you know, had, a, had, had lots of food and a little bit to drink and then uh, um, headed over to uh, a donut shop and then back home and, or back to the, back to the house where we were staying and got up the next morning and started heading home.
0: Nice pizza and donuts. That is a celebration I can approve of. So how big of a boost does this give to your team, both from a confidence standpoint and from a financial standpoint, I got to figure it's, it's a pretty big boost on both of those fronts, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, from a financial standpoint, I'll, I'll kind of let you know how it works out. Right. Um, you know, the, you, you win enough money at, at Daytona to, to maybe get you through the next race or so. Um, but uh, from a sponsorship standpoint, you know, our inbox isn't flooded with, with companies wanting to give us money or anything like that. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure what the future holds. Uh, but, uh, but for the most part, um, you know, uh, the morale of a, our, of our team is, I mean, it's, it's just, it's insane, right? We've never, we've never been in this situation as a team, obviously. So all the guys are pumped. Um, you know, every, is just, uh, it's been a good week.
0: So I guess if you're, you're still having trouble securing sponsors, are you still planning on running the full season this year or, or what's the plan with that right now?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, everybody's kind of, Thinking that like something happened with CB Fabricating and us, but um, you know they're they're a long term, long time partner with us, and um, you know basically our deal with CB Fabricating is the same as it was last year, um, but you know they 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 are not able to fully fund the program, and you know we talked over the winter, we had some other sponsors um, talking about coming on board, and those sponsors they they told us they looked like we were fully funded and you know they they didn't think we had room for them so we kind of had the the idea that you know maybe we we should um not put the then you know not have the car done up in cb fabricating collars every race because uh, i've always kind of been under the belief if somebody's helping you you just you know you go you you do as much for them as you can and at this level um I don't, I don't know if that hurt us or helped us or what, but I mean, that's what we were told by multiple um, people that we were talking to. So um, they're going to be on the car for, for primary sponsorship and in several, you know, quite a few races, they're going to be on the car every race. Uh, but we're trying to, we're trying to leave room, um, for maybe some other companies to come on, uh, you know, and show that we're, we're looking for the help. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as doing the full season, um, you know, we're, we're just going to kind of go at it like we did last year. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, we as a um, as a family, my wife and I basically, you know, we we spent so much money last year to to do this that uh, there was a piece of property next door to me. It came up for sale and, and, and I wanted to buy it, you know, just didn't couldn't at the time and. Um, and then, you know, between between that and her and I talking, she was like, you know, you could have put all four kids through college. And it's, it just kind of hit. Like, you know, I, I know this sport's expensive. Um, I wouldn't trade last year for anything, right? Um, but as a business owner, it's like, you know, maybe maybe we need to try doing something a little different. Maybe I focus on uh, sponsorship stuff. Because, I you know, I, I didn't really ever... Focus on trying to go and get sponsors, I, I kind of focused on the racing aspect of it. Um, so, you know, we're just trying to make up the gap, I guess is the best way to put it, where, um, you know, where CB Fabricating Support stops, we're trying to, to, to pick up the, the remainder of gaps so we don't have to do it out of pocket. And, um, you know, and, that, and that's happening all across racing, right? I mean, we were talking yesterday even even a guy like chase elliott's got multiple sponsors through the year and and we're just kind of kind of trying to do that same thing
0: so let's look back at the race itself now um you had a fairly solid race but other than leading five laps in the middle of the race you weren't up there necessarily battling for the win seemed like most of the time you settled in there about the back part of the top five when did you realize you had a car that was capable of winning that race
2: um, as far as capable of winning the race, I I don't know if there was ever a moment that was like, hey, we could win. You know, um, I knew we just had to keep ourselves positioned up front. Uh, you can get shaked out, you know. you know you can go. I mean, just like I just like what happened to the forty-four on the last lap, right? He he's leading laps and 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 in one turn he goes from first to ninth, right? And I know that's possible. So my my goal our team's goal was just to uh, kind of be aggressive and try to stay up front if you're not up front if you're not in the first two three rows when the white flag drops you don't have a chance to win um so the thing that i kind of noticed as the race was playing out and, and my spotter probably noticed it um more than i did because there were several times he was like we don't need to lead um the leader is always the guy that everybody goes after. So the leader constantly kept getting hung out, right? Everybody would hang the leader. And if you kind of go back and watch the race, if you notice, we just kind of keep ourselves second, third, fourth, and that's the reason why. So we could just kind of basically stay up front. Um, yes, it was it was awesome. I I jumped out to, to the lead on a restart and yeah, you want to lead laps. Um but you kind of know that in this series, I mean, you know there's gonna be yellow flags, right? Now, if, it's a, if it was a different series or it's, it's really just plate racing in general, um, you know there's gonna be yellow flags at plate races, right? So we were kind of more setting ourselves up for kind of the last restart. And you don't know when that's coming, um, but you know, you get down to, I think the restart was what, three or four laps to go. We were, we were right where we wanted to be sitting third.
0: So what would you say was the, the difference in this year's race? In the past few years, we've seen a lot of Venturini dominance in that race where they kind of get set up in the front of the field and nobody can really get around them. This race seemed to be a lot more competitive with guys like you, Jason White, LaVar Scott. There's a lot of names up there that we wouldn't have necessarily expected to be up there before the race with how dominant Venturini has been in that race in the past. What was, what do you think was the difference? Why that was the case this year?
2: Um, I think it was an experience thing. Um, there was a lot of rookies. I don't know how many there actually was. you might you might have that stat, but um, the 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 simple fact that there was a lot of rookies in the big team cars. And I remember my first speedway race. you can you can i race all day long for 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 a year. You can run sim every day for a year. But until you get in a car and you have to do it, it, it's different. So I think the big thing was is that there was rookies that had never drafted in, in a racing you know, format. I mean, you can do it in the test. You can do it in practice. And it, it changes as soon as that green flag drops. So you get guys like myself, Andy J, uh, Kitz Miller, Jason White, um, Sean Core um, that, that have done this multiple times now. Our cars may not be the fastest cars down there um, which I would argue that point too but <laughs> but we, we all know that the bigger teams you know they bring better stuff than we got and we're, and we're okay with that. So I think this year was the, the year that experience from the driver's seat paid off um, because those are the guys that you've seen getting to the front and I mean' I'm, I'm watching some of these rookies and, and whatnot from the cockpit and it's like I'm like, well, if he pulls that move again and and we're like, you know, one to two to go, I got him, you know. And um, you know, I could sit here and point out things that some of those rookies did that would make him better, but you know, I'll I'll, I'll maybe talk to him after Talladega.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, fairly solid year for you last year, but I'm sure not quite the results you were looking for. Uh, is this win an indication that Uh, as long as you are able to run the full year this year, that we're going to see a different Greg Alst this year. We're going to see you maybe competing for more wins this year.
2: I would like to think so. Um, We're working on some things um, with our our short track program, intermediate program. Um, For whatever reason, my third year in every division that I've ever raced in has always been our best year. And Mm -hmm. um, this is my third year you know, doing the, doing the Arca stuff. So, um, I, I think it's just, a you start learning um, the ins and the outs and you get more comfortable. Um, so we'll we'll see how the year progresses. Um, you know, I, I would say our team's biggest problem right now is when we start getting to the months where we race back to back weekends, last year, that's where we really struggled. Um, you know we don't have full-time employees we don't have any employees you know all my guys are are volunteer um on the crew you know i mean obviously jim long we, we pay him you know to be at the racetrack um uh, but the crew guys are all volunteer um and you know you can plan for an evening of you know hey we're three of us four of us whatever going to be out in the shop in the evening and life happens right and then it's just one of us I mean and I'm and it's it goes all of us right The there's two main guys that that come to the race shop Brandon and Jason and and there's been nights where we're like hey you know we're going to be out there from three o'clock till whenever and then you know something happens oh a kid's function gets changed to this and then now you know now you get a half hour out there and and that's that's the stuff that really hurts when we start racing back-to-back weekends um, so we're trying to prep and pre- prepare ourselves for that now. Um, but you know, there's no way for us to predict what's going to happen in the, in the summer months.
0: Right. So I guess along those same lines, then, um, uh, in a perfect world, um, uh, everybody's kind of looking at Jesse Love and Andres Perez De Lara as probably being the championship favorites this year. Are people kind of sleeping on you in that case? Uh, maybe looking at you as a dark horse is that a possibility for the championship
2: um i mean we've won championships before and nobody thought (laughs) we could so you know i'm i'm we we understand we're not the guys that that get the publicity because we're just kind of quiet flying under the radar um but i mean are we are we capable of it absolutely now expectations and reality um I mean, there's there's a reason why those guys are are the favorites, right? And and mm-hmm. um, you know, if I was a betting man, I I I don't know uh, I don't know that I would bet against them. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, all we can do is what we can do, and 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 see where everything turns out.
0: Well, and it wouldn't be the first time in recent history the the quote unquote little guy has come out of nowhere and and stolen the championship. Brett Holmes did it a couple of years ago, so. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for sure. Um, sure. So let's, since we've never had you on before, I don't know how we've never had you on before, um, but let's, let's get to know you a little bit here to end off uh, for some of the fans that may not know you as well. How'd you get started in racing?
2: Oh man. So it, it, there's, there's, uh, lots of stories there. So, um, I've got two racing careers, um, you know, both of them started in go karts and and kind of came through the ranks. Um, but uh, I'll kind of shortcut the teenage years and and go back to um, around the time that I started my fence company. Um, so married, um, starting to have kids, and uh, um, some things happened and and was broke. I mean, I mean like literally on the verge of filing bankruptcy, right? And uh, uh, started the fence company just to earn extra money. The dream of racing was always there. Uh, got, got back into a go-kart, then, a, uh, then into a, uh, I bought a street stock, but I don't know that I ever raced it, then bought a modified, and then, you know, got back into late models and stayed in the late model stuff for a long while. Um, I met CB, Chris Barkdahl, um, through his son, Kyle, um, uh, with the, through the fence company, did, did a fence for them, and that's kind of where that relationship started. And um, in 2018, um, we wrecked at Winchester in the Winchester 400 qualifying, and I I got out of the car and and I was like, I'm done. I'm just I'm over um, working so hard to make things happen, and and uh, I think I said when I got out of the car, I think I'm gonna go buy a boat. And, um, CB was just getting started with us, right? Well, we wrecked and he still had fun. And that's where the relationship with him and I started. Um, he kind of gave us the motivation, obviously helped us financially. And it just, you know, having somebody like that, that, um, you know, that, that you can see believes in you, it, it changed my racing career. And, um. You know, he's he's a, a, a big factor in, in why I didn't hang it up, so to say. Um, so then, you know, we got, we got doing the late model stuff pretty heavy, won the super late model championship. Um, my whole goal for winning the late model championship was because of the Road to Daytona program and knowing that I'd get to go drive at Daytona, right? I, I mean, and not just like in a car that's a um, you know, a ride around car, like a legit race car. So I, I get to the test with Andy and, you know, that was at the time I thought that was the greatest day of my life. I got to drive at Daytona, you know, guys don't get to do that. And so the, the back of my mind was just, man, I want to race at Daytona. I mean, I literally go back to the campground because me, the wife and kids and we're, we're camping down the street. And, uh, I'm immediately like hitting racing junk and looking at, you know, is there any ARCA cars available? I'm trying to make something happen to run the race. And it just, you know, a year goes by basically. So we run for the championship again in the Supers. We end up coming up just just short, got second. And I was kind of disappointed because I was like, I, I really wanted to go back to Daytona and do the test again. So, um, that winter, you know, that that late fall, I think we had a couple uh, large size commercial jobs that we done, and I I, I kind of was like, man, it, maybe maybe I could kind of start looking at doing the Daytona thing. So, you know, a lot's kind of happened in between there, and and um, I end up uh, buying uh, the car that we that we ran. We end up buying it off of Chad Bryant, and. Um, I don't want to say the rest is history, but uh that I mean that that's kind of where it all kind of went and then that's when the Arca stuff kind of took off.
0: Well, I find it kind of incredible that your whole reason for wanting to get into Arca was you just wanted to drive at Daytona to start off and and it's all come full circle now and you've actually you're a winner at Daytona. I th- I think that's a really cool story.
2: Yeah, that's that's um it's it's absolutely unbelievable right like i Mm -hmm. um i i mean i don't think it's really set in i mean it 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 has but you know it's just um it's gonna take time to to kind of feel all of that you know right
0: so at at 41 years old is is there still anything left in the tank for you do you still want to climb up the ladder even further trucks xfinity or or is ARCA it? Is ARCA where you want to be for the rest of your career?
2: Um, I mean, is the dream to go further? I, I mean, so I don't know who it was that, uh, that says you only have two people you need to impress in your life. And that's eight-year-old you and 80-year-old you, right? Mm-hmm. I would be crazy to sit here and say that I have no desire to go trucks or Xfinity or or, or beyond. Mm-hmm. Um. The reality of it is, is the way racing is now, I understand that my phone's not ringing for a truck team or a Xfinity team to say, hey, you know, bring your suit and helmet and you're driving this weekend, right? So the desire is definitely there. Um, I'm not gonna sit here and say that we're not, you know, trying to do anything, Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, for the first time, I would say in my life, I'm kind of content because my, my dream is always to be to run at this level and then it was win a race. Um, so like I told somebody the other day, like I, I've always had a dream and a goal to go after. And um, I, I mean, for, for the last several years, it's been race at Daytona and then it became win at Daytona. And um, I kind of want to ride this wave. Um, but I'd be foolish to sit here and say that we haven't already started talking about other things. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll just see what the future plays out and, um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just have to see.
0: So who is Greg Von Alst outside of the race car? What do you like to do when you're not racing or you're not in your shop working on your car? What, what's a, what's a typical day look like for you, hobbies, that kind of thing?
2: Um, so I'm, I mean, I'm pretty boring outside of racing. I, I, uh, I'm obviously a husband and a father of four. Um, so to be honest with you, um, if I'm not racing, if I'm not in the race shop, um, you know, I'm probably at work trying to sell fence. Um, I I would, I'd love to sit here and say that I have a bunch of other hobbies, but racing is my hobby. Um, but it's also my life too. So um, you know, uh, I mean, I, I really enjoy watching my kids in their sports. Um, I got a daughter that's in ballet and, and, um, she's getting really good at it. And I, I really enjoy watching her do that. Um, you know, and, and, um, you know, I got a daughter that's in band and, and, and I love going and watching her do that. And I got two boys, um, that are one of them's. Uh, really into racing. He's going to start running some legend stuff this year. And then uh, the other one, he's, he's eight, and we haven't had him in anything, but this year might be the year that we start getting him into something. Um, so uh, I, I really enjoy spending time with the wife and kids um, just because we're racing so much that uh, a lot of weekends, I'm, I'm away doing stuff while, they're, while my wife's uh, playing super mom and running four kids to four different places.
0: Well, there you go maybe we'll see the the van alst kids in an arca car very soon that would be kind of cool i think that's all i got for you today so greg thanks for joining us today it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh hopefully we'll have you on again sometime soon
2: yeah for sure anytime i appreciate it and um maybe next time we're talking about win number two hopefully so
0: and we want to thank greg van alst for joining us today we had a great chat with him and hopefully we'll have him on again sometime soon hopefully for another win later on in the season. But quickly here, uh, Tyler, I know you got some F1 news before we get into Vegas predictions. What do you got for us, Tyler? Well, this past week was
1: testing for the new F1 season in Bahrain. Anybody actually cares about that? Uh, the McLaren cars are slow, they even said so themselves. <laughs> okay. The technical director of McLaren said that they missed their development objectives this? this year. Is it Zach Brown the tech? Who, it wasn't wh- Zach Brown. He's the CEO. Well, not CEO. He's like the president of the Okay. British yeah,
0: Warfare. I couldn't remember exactly what his title was. Anyway, their
1: technical person said that they missed their objectives for this year, and the season hasn't even started yet, so they're off to an
0: amazing start. It's funny also, how they were like the third best team a couple of years ago, and they've just completely fallen off of that for no reason. <laughs> yeah. They're focusing yeah. too much on IndyCar, I think is what it is.
1: Well, at least they're competitive in IndyCar. True. It's a whole lot easier to be competitive in IndyCar, as much as I hate saying that, than it is to be competitive in F1. But they also have really good drivers in IndyCar. Yeah. And F1, is it's so much about the car. But... You can get creative, like Haas, and save $250,000 by removing three chairs from your
0: pit wall. Watch Haas because of this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did I I hear you right? I was only half listening and then realized you said they removed three chairs for $250,000. That would be correct. Are the chairs that expensive, or is that like including the employees that would have sat on those chairs? What? There's no way that the chairs cost that much, right? Well, mostly,
1: but the reasoning mostly that it Haas is mostly gave, the chairs. It's not mostly the chairs. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the reasoning Haas is for this is that instead of a six-seat pit wall, the three-seat pit wall is easier to transport and freight costs are part of the F1 budget cap. They get $135 million, you know, only $135 million a year for the F1 team, and that includes all their travel costs. So Team Boss says that they need efficiency,
0: so they looked everywhere and they managed to cut three people off of the pit wall. So it's actually so, they cut three employees, is what it is.
1: I'm not sure if they cut the three employees or just like moved them to the back, but yeah, honestly, when you watch an F1 race and you see them sitting on the pit wall, how many times have you seen all six of them actually doing anything at the same time? True. So, I don't know.
0: It'll be interesting to see if their strategy just sucks this year, not if they <laughs> kick three people off the pit wall. Well, I'm gonna laugh when this... this what seems like an extremely minor change as doc continues to walk back and forth in front of the camera um what seems like a minor change watch this make them go from the worst car in the grid to like the third best car and they win like three races
1: yeah um (laughs) um, we'll we'll bring that clip back up if that happens Mm -hmm.
0: maybe maybe we'll uh
1: make some money off this podcast if you're actually right and we can just spit that out there garth predicted this before the season
0: garth Stradamus over here
1: indycar season kickoff is this weekend actually this oh then weekend. we
0: need to make predictions for that too no we, we haven't even had practice or anything for that yet we'll just we didn't have practice for daytona when we made daytona predictions or practice for the clash
1: we'll start indycar predictions after the first race that way we can get you to actually watch an IndyCar race for the first time in however many
0: decades. Wouldn't me making a prediction make me more likely to actually watch the race? Because I have some in, some investment in it. If you want to make a prediction, go ahead. I'm not making a prediction if you don't make one. Well, I can figure one out. Okay, good. Make a prediction. Cole Merida. Okay. Alexander Rossi. New team, bold choice right there you go. I feel like he is going to be like what you were saying with Kyle Bush being a little stifled by his previous team I feel like he's going to flourish at his new team I would agree I, I think uh Rossi had an interesting turn of events
1: with his time at Andretti he started out as the lowest guy in totem pole in about a year and a half was the number one on that team and then A year and a half later, he's back to pretty much last on that team, and got a couple wins, and all of his wins were completely dominant performances, like winning by 20-something seconds in all of his wins. Yeah. And it it just seems like if he didn't have the best car by far in the field, it just wasn't going to happen, even though he's a very competitive driver. But it'll be interesting to see him in the McLaren organization which I have my bones to pick with McLaren and IndyCar after what they did to Schmidt-Peterson and James Hinchcliffe and Robert Wickens when they took over that team.
0: Well, maybe we need to have Zach Brown on the podcast so you can pick those bones.
1: I would rather not pick those bones. <laughs> <laughs> I will pick those bones in private and uh-huh. just I'll enjoy their pain schemes and I like all their drivers. I just... It irks me that they just kind of booted Hinchcliffe off the team because I really liked him. Yeah. But I understand business is business. But you you get somebody from a different country coming into IndyCar and then just kind of kicking out somebody that's been a fan favorite for about ten years. Right. Kicking out the mayor of Hinchtown. Now there's no Hinchtown in
0: IndyCar anymore. But he is fun in the booth, though. He is admit. very fun in the booth, both for IndyCar and for SRX. I forgot he was doing SRX. Mm-hmm. When does that start up? June, I think. I think it's like first of June to like the middle of July, I think, is when it at least has been in the past. Okay. I don't yeah, know if I they've got this that... year's schedule out yet
1: or not. They might? I'm, I don't know. They keep posting different pictures, and I, I see them on Instagram or whatever, and I'm like, oh, cool, SRX, that's not anytime soon. <laughs> keep scrolling.
0: That'll be another thing we talk about on here once those races start, so that'll be fun. All right, let's kick it off with predictions
1: for NASCAR this weekend at Las Vegas. The track that's only cool because it says Nellis Air Force on the back of the back
0: straight, but whatever. I hate Las Vegas. It's because Nellis Air Force Base is literally right off the back straightaway. It's the only cool part about it. (laughs) I hate that track. I mean, it raced well last year. The next-gen car has done surprisingly well with mile and a half tracks it's it's like nascar knew that the gen 6 was terrible on mile and a halves so they put all of their effort into making the next gen car good on mile and a halves and completely forgot to work on it for any other type of track couldn't have just
1: left it nice for the tracks that people actually care about but different bone
0: another time (laughs) (laughs) you got a lot of bones to pick i do have a lot of bones to pick well, you'll fit right in around here because that's one thing I tend to do a lot and it becomes very controversial. So you'll fit in well here on RNN. So, Tyler, who you got for the truck race? Truck race, I'm going to take what I consider to be a safe pick.
1: Matt Crafton... Not a lot of whole, I haven't watched a whole lot of truck stuff yet, so I'm still getting into the swing of things. Matt Crafton is just kind of a no, name that screams out at me. And he seems to do okay on the mile and a half. And is it a fairly competitive team? So
0: we'll see how that pick goes. Fairly competitive team. It was the best team in the field last year. It was best team overall. Like not him specifically, but Thor Sport as a whole, pretty much best team on the track last year.
1: If you come into NASCAR Truck Series and you just say, hey, these are the competitive teams. You're going to be like, these are fairly competitive teams. You're not going to say these are the best teams because they're, you know.
0: Move on. I don't, I don't follow pick? this line of thinking.
1: I don't follow it either. It's like 2.30 in the morning, and we're recording this podcast after two NASCAR races and a day of work. So yep, we're, we're struggling. We're hanging on.
0: The fun of not being full-time podcasters and trying to fit it into a regular life schedule is fun regular yeah right right yeah we regular so, In have quotation have regular marks. schedules right all right so for me i'm gonna go with uh the man that is in his second race at a new team showed a lot of speed at daytona and I think will win his first of a few races this season on his way to maybe a championship run or at the very least a very deep run into the playoffs, and that would be one Mr. Corey Heim. Won a race last year for Calbush Motorsports, moves over to Tricon Garage this year, had a solid run at Daytona. Don't know that he necessarily had race-winning speed, but solid top-ten run at Daytona. I think he will do well at Vegas. Moving on to the Xfinity race. Tyler, who you got for that? I'm going to go with Daniel Hemrick for the Xfinity race.
1: I think uh, those colleague cars. Bold choice. Got, got a little bit to prove on the colleague camp this year. I, they ran pretty well at Vegas last year. They do pretty well on a consistent basis at most of the generic NASCAR mile and a half tracks. Uh, AJ Almendinger's not there in Xfinity anymore to help him out, but I think Daniel Hemrick be able to take charge of the field this weekend.
0: Now, I say bold choice because you do realize he's only won one race in his entire NASCAR career, not just Xfinity, but entire career. Cup, Xfinity, Trucks, ARCA. You do realize there's only one win in that entire time, right? Well, this is a great weekend to double that stat. Now, I will say it came in dramatic fashion, two is that two years ago now 2021 season finale at phoenix wins the race to win the championship his only win in his entire career had to win the race to win the championship and actually did it that being said i don't think this is that high pressure of a situation so i don't know that he has enough pressure on him to win this race but I will happily concede if your pick is correct with this one. We'll see. We have not been doing too hot so far this year on the pick scale. You didn't do terrible picking Sam Mayer for this race. You almost, or for uh, Fontana, you almost got got that one. Yep, and he was first loser. Well, and he was kind of closing at the end. We had a few more laps, and maybe dirty air wasn't a thing. Then he might have gotten that one, but close. That being said, I'm going to steal your Fontana pick, and I'm going to take Sam Mayer for Vegas. He showed so much speed at Fontana, I think he carries that into Vegas and finally gets that monkey off his back and picks up his first career Xfinity win. Now, moving on to the Cup Series. Tyler, who you got for the Penzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube? I am going to take Kyle Busch. I think when he
1: has success in pretty dominant fashion like he did this weekend at Fontana, he usually carries it through for a several-week stretch, wins a whole bunch of races at a time, and I think this will start off a really big year for him. I think he's got a lot, not really to prove at RCR, because we all know Kyle Busch is a hell of a race car driver, and he can drive the wheels off of pretty much anything. But I think with a new team... He's got a lot to kind of show for the team and how RCR has improved over the last couple of years. I think uh, Tyler Reddick showed a lot of speed in these cars last year, but I think Austin Dillon's is probably not really the number one driver that RCR kind of wants him to be. And I think RCR finally got his person in Kyle Busch, and I think he just goes on a big tear of wins and top fives at the beginning of this season he's been competitive every time he stepped into this rcr car this year like at the front the entire race and i think this will be the beginning of a great year for Kyle bush
0: as i said earlier in this episode he has surprised me how well he's come out of the gate in that eight car and done a lot better than i thought he would i've not been super impressed with rcr equipment as a whole for a long time uh But he is definitely getting the most out of it, and I don't know if maybe it's a combination of him and the RCR equipment improving, but I think that's a solid pick. That being said, Trackhouse impressed me a lot at Fontana. They showed a lot of speed to start the season, and I think they're going to continue that even more going forward. They had a great breakout year last year with two Ross Justine wins and a Daniel Suarez win. I think this week, Daniel Suarez gets his first Oval win, second career win, finally breaks out and gets that Oval win, and he'll get it this week at Las Vegas. I like the track house cars this year. They
1: both have run pretty well so far, and it's nice to see Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain up at the front together almost the entire time, and I think
0: that's a pretty solid pick. I'm kind of surprised neither one of us picked Joey Logano, because Joey Logano seems to win this race every year in the Pennsville car. So I think we're both probably stupid for not picking him, because that's probably the way this is going to go. It's probably going to be Joey Logano, but we like a little parody around here. So hopefully uh, we get someone different. in Well, I guess you don't like parody, because you want to see Kyle Busch win back-to-back weeks. But um, I like parody and i want to see daniel suarez win this week so that I'm is still our,
1: not over that new team smell for kyle bush
0: i guess not i guess not but i think that's going to do it for us on this episode of rookie strives tyler you getting any last thoughts before we sign off for the week that's it for me okay short and sweet i like it all right well we will see you next week uh audio version uh, as usual, should be out prior to the video version being out. So, uh, But if you're watching the video version, Wednesday 6 p.m. Eastern is the regular premiere time for this show every week. Obviously, you know that if you're watching this already, or maybe you don't if you're watching it later. But you'll know that for next week now. So Wednesday 6 p.m. Eastern um, is our normal video time for this show on the Racing News Now YouTube channel. You can find the audio version on your favorite podcasting platform usually earlier than that there's no set time for it just whenever i get it edited and put it up so could be an hour before could be two days before that's gonna do it so at that that's tyler i'm garth this is the rookie stripes podcast on racing news now